from the corner of 16th and Peachtree Street, right next to the High Museum of Art in Midtown Atlanta, welcome to the First Presbyterian Church. I'm Senior Pastor Tony Sundermeyer, and I want to thank you for tuning in to today's broadcast. And I would invite you now to join us in the worship of God. Our Old Testament lesson this morning is Proverbs chapter 8. Don't be scared, it isn't that long. But I am going to say a word about what it is so that we're better able to hear it and understand it the first time. This is unlike the genre of much of the worship text that we use in our regular worship experience. This is the voice of wisdom, more on that in a moment, calling to us to hear and receive teaching. Hear now God's word. Does not wisdom call, and does not understanding raise her voice? On the heights, beside the way, at the crossroads, she takes her stand. Beside the gates, in front of the town, at the entrance of the portals, she cries out, To you, O people, I call, and my cry is to all that live. O simple ones, learn prudence, acquire intelligence, you who lack it. Hear, for I will speak noble things, and from my lips will come what is right. For my mouth will utter truth. Wickedness is an abomination to my lips. All the words of my mouth are righteous. There's nothing twisted or crooked in them. They are all straight to one who understands and right to those who find knowledge. Take my instruction instead of silver and knowledge rather than choice gold, for wisdom is better than jewels, and all that you may desire cannot compare with wisdom. I, wisdom, live with prudence, and I attain knowledge and discretion. The fear of the Lord is hatred of evil, pride and arrogance and the way of evil and perverted speech I hate. I have good advice and sound wisdom. I have insight. I have strength. By me, kings reign, and rulers decree what is just. By me, rulers rule, and nobles, all who govern rightly. I love those who love me, and those who seek me diligently find me. Riches and honor are with me, enduring wealth and prosperity. My fruit is better than gold, even fine gold and my yield better than choice silver. I walk in the way of righteousness, along the paths of justice, endowing with wealth those who love me and filling their treasuries. The Lord created me at the beginning of his work, the first of his acts of long ago. Ages ago, wisdom was set up at the first, before the beginning of the earth. When there were no depths, I was brought forth, when there were no springs abounding with water, before the mountains had been shaped, before the hills, wisdom was brought forth. When God had not yet made earth and fields or the world's first bits of soil, when God established the heavens, I was there. When God drew a circle on the face of the deep, when he made firm the skies above, when he established the fountains of the deep, when he assigned to the sea its limit so that the waters might not transgress his command, when he marked out the foundations of the earth, then I was beside him like a master worker, and I was daily his delight. 
rejoicing before God always, rejoicing in his inhabited world, and delighting in the human race. So now, my children, listen to me. Happy are those who keep my ways. Hear instruction and be wise, and do not neglect it. Happy is the one who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting beside my doors. For whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. But those who miss me injure themselves. All who hate wisdom love death. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our New Testament reading is from the Gospel of John. Hear now the word of God for you who are the people of God. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own, but will speak whatever he hears. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, because he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. For this reason I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. This too is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Be seated. 
And let us pray. Dear God, this morning we turn to your word and we ask that you would help us to hear it anew and to be changed by it so that we might go from this place to better serve and love. Amen. In a sermon a few months ago, I shared part of a conversation I'd had with another parent when I was volunteering at Caroline's school one day. There had been a wave of shootings, and she was in despair. She was depressed about the news and particularly worried about the impact it was having on her kids. And she asked me then, how do you cut through the noise? She wasn't talking about city noise like buses and ambulances and airplanes from the busiest airport in the world. She was talking about the messages bombarding us every day. It used to be that most people read the same newspaper and listened to the same radio broadcast, then watched the same report on television, but now we're in a world with endless voices. There are many versions of the news, and they're available literally all the time, 24 hours a day. They're everywhere. They're designed to come at us in every possible format. And it's not just radio and newspaper and television anymore, of course, but also web and social media, and I'm sure things I don't even know about because I'm not young and cool. I would say anymore, but I'm not sure I ever was. Our phones even, if you think about our phones, the very things that are supposed to connect us theoretically, now bombard us with messages and images. Ironically, they make it easy for us not to connect with other people because we tend to text or post something on social media rather than actually talking to each other. I don't know about you, but even the things I've chosen to have in my life, like some of those forms of social media, often cloud my thoughts and they wear me out because it feels like all these voices coming at us want something from us. They want us to be loyal viewers or to declare ourselves as members of some group. They want to shape us as consumers. They're showing us a vision of how successful or happy our lives could be if we did this or went here or bought that. They want us to weigh in with our opinions, even to engage in arguments, defend ourselves, even to people we will never know. They want to shape our habits, our votes, our beliefs, what we think is right for our community, and how we treat other people. I read an article in The Atlantic this week about how much things have changed and how we receive and react to information because of all these messages. In particular, this article was tracing the impact of the fake news phenomenon. That term didn't even exist a couple of years ago, and now it's quite prevalent around us. And it can mean different things depending on what you read or who you ask. Sometimes it's deliberate misinformation, and it's shared with the intent to manipulate. Sometimes it's just something we disagree with and we'll call it fake news in the hopes that other people disagree with it too. This article was citing a recent Pew study that found in this climate of changing, competing voices and really polarized opinions, 
We are not managing to cut through the noise to truth. A few things are happening as we consume more and more media messages. First, more of us are choosing to listen only to voices with which we agree. So we're rooting ourselves in silos where we don't hear a variety of opinions and we don't really have to think critically about our own. Maybe that's not too surprising. Second, about 80% of those who responded said that they do attempt to fact check what they hear or read. Now I thought that was really promising except that they fact check with those same sources that already agree with the opinions they hold. Third, and I think this is the most concerning, half of the survey's respondents said that they now actively avoid relationships with people whose opinions challenge their own. Actively avoid interacting with other people. In our house, we've reached a time when our children are old enough to get lots of messages and information that aren't from Joel and me. Joel's my husband. He's sitting over here. <laughs> These messages come fast, and they don't have any filters with them. So we spend a lot of our dinner conversation unpacking them together, and we're asking whether something came from a source we trust, whether it tells the truth, whether we can learn something from it, and whether it's something we need to allow into our heads and hearts. That's not unique to kids. We're all bombarded with messages, and it's hard work to evaluate them. It's hard to sort through what should and should not have authority in our lives. It's really hard not to be drawn in by those pictures of success or that perfect life someone has shown, maybe on Facebook. It's really hard not to belittle or demonize somebody on the other side of the political aisle, especially because everybody's doing it. It's hard to listen to someone when we disagree with them and to think, perhaps I have something to learn here. It's a lot easier to write them off and say, that's someone I just don't choose to spend time with anymore. It's even harder to seek out opinions different from ours when we have so many voices telling us that we are right. So how do we cut through the noise for ourselves and for our families and for our community? For us as Christians, this question is really to whom should we listen? That question was on my mind when I started looking forward to this summer sermon series. And this summer, the lectionary, that breaking apart of the Bible into a cycle of texts, it's pairing Old Testament wisdom and prophecy and history with teachings of Jesus. And I heard very clearly the reminder that all Christians need to hear. The word of God cuts through the noise. The Word of God cuts through the noise. So for the next few weeks, we'll hear voices from different parts of our sacred word. They're different genres. They're from different contexts. They were written down at different times. But they have all proven valuable for centuries, and they still speak with authority for us today. We start with Proverbs 8. 
And as I said before I read the text, we're hearing in Proverbs 8 the voice of wisdom. Now in Hebrew, the word for wisdom, chokmah, means something a little different from how we might define wisdom if we just said, here's what I think it means. Here it means something more like skill. It's about learning how to do something really well. So the pursuit of wisdom in the book of Proverbs is about developing the skill of living right. It's about becoming moral livers. So wise people are good at discernment. They're good at making right choices. Wisdom is a feminine noun. No further comment needed. So this voice that we hear is usually called woman wisdom. Now she isn't a single person. This is not one person who wrote this down. She's the personification of a whole body of teachings about how to live our lives faithfully. Wisdom doesn't just say, do this and don't do that. It isn't a fixed set of rules or laws. It's a way of living a wise life. Woman wisdom speaks as a teacher, or maybe a preacher. She's trying to prepare those who are currently uneducated in how to live a wise life. She isn't usually thought of as a prophet, but she has some of the same characteristics of prophets throughout scripture. In particular, she's calling for change. She's calling out in the public square to everyone she can get to listen. Did you hear it? She's on the heights. She's beside the way. That's a road. She's at the crossroads. She's at the city gates in front of the town at the entrance crying out, my cry is to all who live. She's deliberately positioned in places that represent diverging choices. So if you're on a road or at a crossroads, you can go one direction or another. If you're at a city gate, you can go in or you can go out. She's standing where people have to pass, trying to teach them which way they should go. So in a sense, she's a little bit like a cable commentator or a social media influencer or someone today who's trying to get a message across to as many people as possible, but she's not trying to fill airtime or sell books or gather up Facebook likes or followers. She speaks because she knows that her listeners, like us today, hear a lot of competing and tempting messages. She's offering the right voice to follow. In fact, if we had read the chapters on either side of this one, we would have heard some of those competing and seductive voices. The Bible calls them foolishness. Woman wisdom cuts through their noise with a framework for a wise life. It's almost like she knows her authority will be questioned, so she's ready for those doubters and haters of the ancient world, and she rattles off the list of her credentials, the reasons that we should listen and give her authority. Unlike the voices of foolishness, she has been with God all along since the beginning of creation. When God had not yet made earth or fields or soil or the heavens or the deep or the skies, she was already with God. Wisdom was God's delight, 
and wisdom delights in what God has made. She knows what she's talking about, so we should listen. Now, unfortunately, she doesn't give a step-by-step -step approach for wise living, but like any parent who has tried to parse through the news with a confused or worried kid, she's trying to teach a way of discerning what is true and what is right in any circumstance we might face. She wants to train us to think and act in a wise way by contrasting wisdom with foolishness and by showing us a picture of a wise life. The wise life is very different from a life driven by our own desires. The wise are not consumed with things or accumulating. Wisdom doesn't come with riches. She rattles off gold and silver and wealth and prosperity, but wisdom is even better. She says that the fruit she offers is better than gold and her yield is better than silver, so we should take the instruction of wisdom instead it is better than jewels or anything we could desire. So those voices telling us what we need to buy and accumulate and own, those voices showing us you should wear this or look this way to be happy, those voices telling us that we should think like them, they are foolishness. The wise life also is not built on our own understanding but seeks God. The wise life knows that we need instruction. We cannot be obsessed with ourselves. Woman Wisdom says that she hates pride. She hates arrogance. She hates any speech that insists on its own rightness and especially lying or anything that leads another person astray. Woman Wisdom shows us a very different kind of speech. She talks about her words as noble and true. And what's wonderful about this is it's not pie in the sky kind of stuff. Woman wisdom is trying to give us virtues to pursue in our daily lives so that the choices we're making bring us into harmony with God's picture of flourishing. She doesn't build up a consumer culture. She doesn't justify us in holding tight to our positions or only spending time with people who agree with us, she paints a picture of honesty, humility, care for others, the good of the community. Wisdom lifts up the virtues, not always easily visible in the messages around us, of prudence, truth-seeking, discretion, righteousness, being in right relationship with God, justice, insight, and dignity. So the wise don't rely on their own thoughts or promote their own needs. The wise give authority to God. The wise know that they need to listen and learn. The wise take delight in promoting justice, that is whatever is good for the whole community and the dignity of every one of God's creations. The wise don't close themselves off from others, even when that would be easier, but instead seek understanding. Now these are all lovely words. That's a beautiful list of virtues to have out in front of us, but we know how hard it is to pursue them, God's justice and righteousness. 
And we know that as soon as we leave this service, as soon as we check our phones, we'll be bombarded again with messages about products and success and opinions. Woman wisdom doesn't imagine a world where those voices don't exist, just the opposite. She assumes, assumes that we will still be surrounded with competing voices and choices, and she calls us to listen for the voice of God in the midst of them. Do the voices around us encourage us to satisfy our own desires? Do they present a version of happiness rooted in things? Do they reinforce our arrogance? Do they spread falsehoods? Do they try to separate people or push us apart? If so, they are voices of foolishness. As Christians, we're committed to this hard work of seeking wisdom in a noisy world, turning again and again back to God's word as our truth. And as hard as that is, there is comfort in the fact that we do not do it alone. Our reading from John's gospel that Jamie read a minute ago comes from Jesus' farewell speech where he's preparing his disciples for his coming death. He knows that it's more than they can process. He says, I have many things to say to you, but you can't bear them all now. But, Jesus tells them, the spirit of truth will stay with you. The spirit of truth will continue to speak and will guide you into truth. Friends, there are still too many words for us to hear and process and understand and sort through on our own. But today we remember that we're part of a Christian community that discerns together, that we're guided by that spirit of truth that still moves in and through us, helping us to choose the path of wisdom and above all, to hear through the noise God's word for us. Thanks be to God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.